Our sermon text comes from Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness on, in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. With the use of currency, the bartering system has been largely done away with when it comes to transactions for goods and services. But we still do use the bartering system on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll do the dishes if you do the laundry. I'll give you my Snickers if you give me uh, your Reese's. If you pick me up, I'll pay for lunch. It's still all about trying to strike a deal, a balance, trying to find two things that share roughly the same value. In order to give something, you have to give something. In our text today, we see uh, all the wonderful gifts of God that mankind willingly throws away in exchange for things of far less value, really valueless things. When we see the emptiness of the things we desire in sin and ignorance, then the fullness of the gifts that God freely offers, it's difficult to see which things are worth far, far more. It's not difficult to see which things are worth far, far more. And so the appraisal for all from our all-knowing God and Creator for us today through the mouth of his prophet Jeremiah is this. They aren't worth it. Man's wisdom comes at the expense of God's loving kindness. Man's might comes at the expense of God's justice. And man's riches come at the expense of God's righteousness. May the Spirit remind us today that those things that are of those things that are truly important and give us a willing heart to sacrifice all for their sake. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You don't have to look long to see that we here in America have decided that instruction is not important. Look at the sad state of the public school system. Look at the laissez-faire approach to child-rearing that many parents have adopted. Look within your own heart. Most of us do not like instruction, particularly when it comes to the moral instruction that God gives us in his law. And so we may make our own rules and our own laws. We find commonality in our shared disdain for what God clearly instructs us to do and what not to do. And collectively, we decide that we get the final say. We behave like unbelieving Gentiles, Paul writes about in Romans 2.15. They show that the work of the law is written in on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. The problem is that we don't have instruction, specifically the necessary instruction that we receive from God, then we have no wisdom. 
We make it up ourselves, and as our text reads, the wise man glories in his wisdom. But the truth of the matter is that the wise man wisdom is no wisdom at all, because it comes at the expense of God's wisdom. The wise man says everyone can decide for themselves who God really is. But God's wisdom says in Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. The wise man says, your sin really isn't that bad. I, I wouldn't worry about it. But God's wisdom says in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Man's wisdom says, uh, if you really feel bad about it what, in what you've done, you just make it up by doing something good. But God's wisdom says in Ephesians 2, for by the grace of for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't have it both ways. Either God is wise or man is wise. And to say that man is wiser than God is to throw away God's loving kindness and grace toward us. Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We glory in our wisdom, but it always comes at the expense of God's wisdom, and it's always not worth it. We also see in scripture, in history, and in the world today that man's might comes at the expense of God's justice. One of the prevailing ideologies of the last 6,000 years is that might makes right. The biggest kid on the playground makes the rules. The king with the biggest army writes the laws. The Twitter account with the most followers seems to always be, almost be able to rewrite reality itself. How often does this might make right policy come at the expense of God's justice? I don't mean to say that there are people powerful enough to escape God's judgment on the last day or even those who can, could hide from his chastisement in life, but God has informed us in his word that things are good and just. Jeremiah 22.3 names a few. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hands of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. By the grace of God, none of us here are kings or queens. We'd say that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we have all had times where we were given power and we abused it and did not deal justly or fairly. It could be something as simple as being a scheduling manager and giving fewer shifts to someone because you don't like them and because you could. It could be something as serious as blaming your child or spouse for something that was your own fault 
because you didn't want to take the blame and because you could. We glory in our might, but it always comes at the expense of God's justice and it is always not worth it. And finally, we know how often man's riches come at the expense of God's righteousness. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The pursuit of money comes at the expense of pursuing God in his word in our lives. The successful hoarding of money and the false security we find in a large savings account comes at the expense of trusting the Lord for all our needs. The frivolous spending of money on flashy things or stuff comes at the expense of our love for God, replacing, replaced by the God of mammon. Money is a means that God blesses us and will provide for us with material things that we need, like those laid out in Luther's explanation of the first article of the Apostles' Creed. Clothing, shoes, meat, drink, house, home, land, cattle, and all my goods. But money all too often becomes the end rather than the means. And all too often we fall into temptation to use those funds for sinful purposes drinking too much, eating too much, gambling, lustful pursuits, vanity, personal prestige, you name it. We glorify in our riches, but it always comes at the expense of God's righteousness. And once again, it's not just not worth it. These wonderful, powerful gifts that God bestows on his children, his wisdom, his justice, his righteousness, these are trampled underfoot because mankind has, cosmically, has a cosmically poor sense of value. If this were a barter or a trade deal, one would rightly say that it's the worst deal of all time. Because look at the things that God gives you for free in his love for you. He gives you his loving kindness, his grace, he gives it to you freely to plan according to the plan of salvation, which was carried out for us in the life and death of our Lord Jesus. Man's wisdom says that there's no need to worry about what comes after death because you only live once. But God promises to give you a life that never ends because Christ has paid the price for all your sins. Man's wisdom says that you have to do enough in order to earn your salvation. But God says no. It's all by grace. Our salvation is already won for us, apart from any of our own works, so that there's no doubt in our eternal destination. By faith, we can put aside our own wisdom and the glory and glory in God's wisdom. When things in life don't make sense to us, we remember God's grace and his Romans 8.28 promise to work all things together for, good, for our own good. When our best laid plans fall apart, we trust that God's plan is better 
because while man's plans plans his steps, the Lord directs his path. When we suffer bitterly and seemingly needlessly, we know that God is glorified through our suffering. When we bear it patiently and hopefully, waiting for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. God's loving kindness is so precious that everything else is worthless by comparison. God also promises to give you his judgment and his justice. If might makes right is the prevailing principle for determining authority, God stands alone atop that pedestal. He has given us the blueprints for how to deal justly with ourselves and our neighbors. And when there seems to be no justice in the world, it is God who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Most of all, he promises the judgment that was won for us on Calvary. Because Jesus became sin for us and was handed the guilty verdict that we deserve, we have been judged not guilty. The price has been paid in full. We are no longer God's enemies, but his own special people, redeemed, restored, and forgiven. Anything stands contrary to God's judgment and justice is just not worth it, not by a long shot. And God gives us his righteousness. Where man tries to find value and riches in material things in life, God gives us value by showing us that we are worth it to him. He traded the life of his own innocent son, delivering him unto death and hell, so that you might be his righteous, perfect, and holy child. All the money in the world can't buy righteousness even a, for even a single person. And so God's, God bought righteousness for every person with the precious blood of the Lamb. We glory in these things over all else. We bring nothing of worth to the table, and God brings everything. We bring sin and debt, and God brings life and peace. This is our glory, not that we have anything in ourselves worthy of praise, but that God has given us worth so that we might praise and thank him forever. Pick whatever you want, wisdom, might, riches, even all of these things combined. It's still not worth it, not compared to the blessed gifts that God granted to us freely from Jesus, for Jesus' sake. Our wisdom means nothing if it doesn't come from him. It's not worth being wise if it means we forfeit God's loving kindness. Our might means nothing if it doesn't serve him. It's not worth being strong if we forfeit God's justice in his perfect judgment. And our riches mean nothing if they are not used to serve him. It's not worth being rich if we forfeit the righteousness won for us on the cross. But if man glories, let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself through your word. Thank you for sending your spirit into our hearts, creating faith to know and understand you. To you alone be all glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.